sightings of unidentified objects in the sky, and the belief that there's life outside of Earth. These are thoughts that have probably crossed your mind. Today, we share UFO tales. Stories, folklore, legends, leyendas, cuentos, y más. This is Spooky Tales. Listen, escuchen, at your own risk. Christina and this is MJ and this is another episode of a spooky tales and today we're talking about UFOs and this episode was special because we worked harder on it <laughs> yes we worked so much harder <laughs> we researched for two weeks instead of one <laughs> that's hard it's <laughs> hard work I read, right? a, I read a whole book <laughs> Oh my god, and I translated 11 minutes of audio, and it took me two hours. Oh my god. (laughs) The reason why is, like, I had to Google everything, like, I didn't know, because I was like, what does this word mean? (laughs) I can't Spanish, you guys. I can't. Yeah, I can't either, and we also can't English, so here we are. But thanks for listening anyway. (laughs) We also have more listener stories because we specifically requested UFO stories. Yes. And I'm so excited. There, I got a really good one. You got, yes. a, you got a bunch. I'll share one of mine, then you can share yours, and then I'll show, or share. Oh, my God. I will share the other one. All right. Sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that kind of episode. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's the first UFO story. Thank you for sending this in. And again, it doesn't have to be UFO stories, any spooky story, any spooky experience. If you want to send it in, uh, we will read it on the podcast. Normally, we don't do this many. We just do one per episode. But send it into spookytales at gmail.com or send it via DM on any of our socials. All right. So here's this first UFO story. Hi there. I wanted to reach out and share my story because I love your podcast. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Just a quick story about the first time we saw a UFO with my entire family. I believe it was summer of 2012. We were all in the backyard as we were celebrating 4th of July. Oh my God, that just passed. So mm-hmm. perfect. perfect timing. Yes. <laughs> my family and I were all staring up at the sky and we're looking at uh, the fireworks. When all of a sudden I saw this really weird, what I thought was a firework, but it was doing like a formation. I told my sister, look at that firework. That's weird. How is it able to move like that? We then realized that it was not a firework as that one light started multiplying in a perfect linear shape. It started doing all these zigzag movements. And by the time it was doing all its movements, my entire family was watching for a good minute. And weird. By this point, my entire my entire family had seen it. And this was like, <laughs> and this was like 10 iPhones ago, chronologically speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's a good way to tell time. Like 20 iPhones ago. <laughs> That's how we're going to be like, I don't remember. I just remember I had the iPhone, I don't know, 7, 6, yeah. whatever. <laughs> As we were all trying to open up our cameras and take photos and videos, for some reason, every time we turned on the camera app on, it was all black. 
There was four of us, and none of us could get our cameras to work. So knew, we knew it was an encounter of the third kind. Isn't it fourth kind? No, I think fourth kind is when you get abducted. Oh, so third kind is when you see. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about this. Okay, obviously I don't. I'm gonna Wait, let me. That. I'm gonna Google it real quick because I think <laughs> it might be important for. <laughs> it it will be important for us to to, to clarify, know. right? <laughs> okay, cl- close encounter of the third kind is a movie. <laughs> So I think they meant like something along those lines. Oh, well, I thought there was like fucking levels. Oh, hold on, hold on. I found I found something. Let me see. Okay, when an encounter is visible is with visible Oh, okay. When an encounter is visible is with visible occupants inside the UFO, it's third kind. Yeah. The fourth kind is when a person is taken. So when you see a UFO within 150 meters, it's the first kind. When you See it in the sky, or like it had just left, it's the second kind. That is weird. So this would be technically the first kind. Yeah. FYI. (laughs) (laughs) I had a lot of trouble sleeping for the next few weeks, but thankfully nothing else happened. It's happened, but it was just so crazy to me that we saw this on 4th of July while all fireworks were going off around 10 or 11. It's so brazen, but also so smart. It is. And then they go on to say, sorry, the text is a little weird. Weird. I'm using Texas speech as I drive to work. <laughs> Thanks again for letting me share my story. And thank you for the podcast. Your voice in the Latino community is always fun. And it's always fun listening to you girls. Thank you. Thank again. you. Um, her story reminded me of like this past weekend. We went to this Fourth of July. We went to this park to celebrate. Right. And um there was drones in the sky. My daughter was like, oh, my God, it's an alien. <laughs> it just reminds me of that. <laughs> it was so funny. You want to share yours? So uh, when a listener DM'd me this, um, wants to remain anonymous. So I'm just going to read the story. Okay. This first happened when I was around six or seven. My family lived in a house, the very top of a large hill. We had a long driveway leading from the main street to our house. My sister and I shared a room at the time and the room had a large picture, a large picture window that faced the drive. One night while we were trying to fall asleep, we saw headlights coming up the driveway toward the house. They seemed like a normal car or truck at first. But as we watched, they reached somewhere near the middle of the drove. And so it appeared. And then it took off into the sky and flew over our house and disappeared. Several years later, a friend of mine who lived at the bottom of the same hill told me the story about seeing the same thing flying over the hill at different times. That is, uh, I mean, that's that's kind of scary. I'm not going to lie. Cause yeah, I agree. I I wonder if she was like, if it was like a, like a, in the outskirts or in a very suburban area. Because if that's the case, it's a lot of houses and a lot of people that would have seen it, but if it's just her house at the very top of the hill, f that. Right. Ooh. Never live on a house by itself on a hill. That's just that's like like that's like yeah, that, for a scary movie. Yeah, like um, your aliens, ghosts, something. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's always a house on a hill. <laughs> really? We covered a legend about a house on the hill. <laughs> it was really, a movie. That's right. <laughs> it's always something. Like, just don't do it. I mean, yeah. I know the view is nice, but just don't do it. It's not worth it. <laughs> this listener has a, a second story. So, Oh, yeah, I forgot. 
she says, I have one more. Myself and three of my friends were walking to another friend's house in this small town in Oklahoma named Vera. We were carrying a flashlight and just pointed it randomly around. At one point, we pointed it into a into a tree as we passed. When we did, the beam appeared to bend and point back at us. That's when we what? looked. Yeah. As I read this and I was like, what the flying <laughs> UFO is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> that's when we looked up into the sky and saw a circle of yellow light that with red flashing lights mixed between them we got scared and started to run for our friend's house that we were heading to as we looked back we realized it was just one set of circular lights there was no less than six sets of lights in the sky flying slowly over the small town we ran as fast as we could after that when we got to our friend's house he and his mom were outside watching the skies out as well so that's that's strange. Okay, here's another one. I was around four and playing outside my grandpa's backyard when I looked up at the sky and saw a flying disc stationed in the sky. It was white, metallic, like a plane, and after a while of staring at it, it started to light up from its underside. It had a circle of inward light sockets that would light up, each a different color, and would only light up one after the other as to create a colorful meteor-slash-streak-like effect. It then started to move and within seconds flew so fast. To this day, I've never seen anything as fast or as similar. You know, the lots of lights is something that's going to come up in my next story, too. It's Weird. always lots of lights. It's either, yeah. it's like either, I don't know. Either lots of lights or like a one blinding really light. Yeah, or one singular light, but it's always, it's never like, um, I don't think there's ever been like small groups of like two or three. I feel like it's either a, a shit ton or just one. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it seems like. Okay, here's the other one. I'm pretty sure what I saw was a UFO. This was over 10 years ago. I had never seen anything like it and I'll never forget it. I took my son to his weekly dance class. Since it took over 20 minutes to get there, I would just sit in my car listening to the radio while he was in class. Sometimes my daughters came with me, but not that night. So there I was flipping through radio stations when I got a feeling something was watching me. I looked around and saw nothing, but then I looked up through the windshield and I saw something very strange. Quite a distance away, I saw a round disc floating and it was different colors. It moved in a strange pattern, like up and down, but diagonally at the same time. It was strange. I felt frozen, just staring at it. When I decided to try to record it, it would back away. Then I would put my phone away, and it would return. The fourth time I tried to record it, my phone just wouldn't turn on. It had been fully charged, and it just wouldn't work. After that time, it didn't return. I called my daughters, freaked out, and told them I thought I had seen, I had just seen a UFO. Of course, the assholes laughed. To be fair, they were teenagers. <laughs> I was shaken up, but I've never forgotten what I saw. I like, I like that one. I like that one too. And creepy because, like, that light seemed to be like, oh, I know she's recording you. Let me hide. Okay, I'm back. Yes, and then the phone stopped working, like the other story we shared, where there none of their phones. That's always like classic. It's like they either I don't know how they drain the battery, or they just make it stop. I don't know. Maybe it's like an electric magnetic. Uh, what is it called? Like 
pulse like you know how like um something right i don't know it's strange like i mean with stories like ufos and stuff especially with everything that is coming out of the the government right now like sometimes i'm like i mean it could be like i want to give the people everybody who who has experienced these things like the benefit of the doubt because everything that's coming out right now from the government is just like yeah i i, I feel like some people are owed apologies I agree. I agree. Um, is it my turn to read? Yeah. Okay. One night, me and my family were bike riding, and we looked up and saw a flying object with many lights just hovering for a while and going from side to side. At first, we thought it was a blimp above a baseball stadium, but it was too close to be at the baseball stadium. It seemed like it was spinning and would, would stop and then move the other way. It was there for a few hours. When we went to sleep, it disappeared. It had many circular green fluorescent and red lights there it is again mm-hmm. many lights that's i don't know it creeps yeah. me out though it creeps me out <laughs> to be honest same it fascinates me and yeah creeps me out at the same time like sometimes i like to play around and be like yes let's welcome our overlords because to be honest it can't be any worse than what we have now <laughs> But that one day I saw the um the satellite train from um oh my god what is the Starlink the Starlink satellite yeah, yeah. train I freaked the hell out this shit was scary as hell <laughs> I was like what the hell is this what's going on here and like I looked up because I was like is it is it this and then I looked up on their website and they're like there's no scheduled satellite trains in your area or whatever on their website. Or whatever, and <laughs> I was like, like, I was like, oh no, what the fuck is this? <laughs> oh my god! And then it ended up being them, but I'm like, god damn it! Like you scared the shit out of me. That's uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I've never, I don't think I've ever seen anything. My mom was telling me the other day that uh, one time we were all outside because um, there was like a basketball hoop at the end of our street but it was in front of our house and we would all play basketball there with like my brother and his middle school friends mm-hmm. and then my mom randomly i don't know <laughs> would also play <laughs> and me and carmen and she said one day we were all outside and like someone looked up and saw something weird as hell floating like a ufo and everyone was got freaked out and ran to their houses but i don't remember seeing this and she says i was there but if I saw it, I must have blocked it out because I have no <laughs> recollection of this. <laughs> That's what I was just about to say. You blocked it out. Um, so before we share the two UFO slash alien things we found, I will share just a little brief description of like that report that was released just like what, last month? Yeah. Was it last month? Yeah. Two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Yeah, but it was last month either way. Yeah. So, and and again, I just like summarize it to something very short. But, so the report is the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task. Oops, sorry. Hold on. Yeah. The UAPT. UAPTF. Okay. Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force review reports that occurred from 2004 to 2021. They stated in their findings of this report that all these reports and the reports are done by um, people in the military like pilots and stuff so they they this task force came to the conclusion that these reports they lacked sufficient data they recognize that there's no tailored reporting process and it's necessary to have one to review these kinds of things 
So they say that these reportings probably uh, represent do represent physical objects, but they can't and won't confirm what these are. They also said that there was unusual flight char- characteristics that can be blamed on sensor errors, spoofing, and observer misperception. They do go on to say that the Navy, only the Navy had a, a formal reporting process for this, and then the Air Force just adopted the navies in 2020 and so although these formal reporting processes exist all the reports they received from 2001 oh sorry 2004 to 2021 were there's just not enough data to um, determine what they are so basically the whole thing can be summed up to them saying or the government saying we don't know what they are we can't rule out aliens or anything we will create a task force to begin investigating these things. I, I'm surprised that, I mean, since 2004, that's like over what? almost going to be two decades that they've had reports and they've just been like, ah, it's kind of weird. I feel like they're, yeah. they weren't just going like, I don't know. I feel like there was something done, but I mean, at least, Whatever it is, if it's like some other country with some crazy ass technology or even us with some crazy ass technology, a lot of people's lives and reputations have been ruined. And a lot of people are owed an apology because they saw what the government's confirming right now. And regardless if it wasn't aliens, if it was wasn't whatever it is, a lot of people are owed apologies. For sure. They were called crazy. They were called a lot of stuff. And there's also this like weird like thing behind the UFOs. Like everyone's like, you know, you would think like with everything that the government's coming out with right now, people would be freaking out. But at the same time, the way we grew up, I feel like, like, yeah, we kind of like thought there was aliens like. Yeah, yeah, it's like so. It's not. It doesn't really freak us out. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like Wait, it's like it's like when that when they were like, oh, they let everybody know Area Fifty One existed, and everyone was like, yeah, we kind of knew. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, and and, and we're gonna rate it <laughs> Naruto style <laughs> with the run, which never even happened. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, that was the findings on the report. Who wants to go first? They're both pretty long, so. (laughs) (laughs) It's up to you. I'll go first. Okay. (laughs) Again, this is going to be way longer than my usual stories, so be ready. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to be sharing the Goyame UFO crash incident. It's very mysterious. It's also pretty wild. And some people believe it didn't happen. Others do believe there's just not enough hard evidence on it mm-hmm. and if you didn't know koyame was in chihuahua it is in chihuahua it's a small town in chihuahua mexico which is which is across like el paso texas mm. right like that. it's like right in that area yeah so on august 25th 1974 it was a normal night at the united states naval air station in corpus christi texas when suddenly just past 10 p.m Exactly 10.07 p.m. Uh Radar screens at two different military bases. This one, and I didn't write down the other one. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody cares about the other one. (laughs) Yeah, I don't give a... No. (laughs) Um, 
They detected an unknown aircraft 200 miles outside of the Gulf of Mexico. This unknown aircraft reached speeds of 2,500 miles per hour while flying 75,000 feet in the air. At the time, the 1970s, known aircrafts could only fly 2,200 miles per hour at 50,000 feet in the air. So what the hell was that, right? Because it was going way faster at a higher altitude. altitude. Mm-hmm. There was a concern at the time that this was a missile headed toward Corpus Christi. Side note, why would anyone send a missile to Corpus Christi instead of, like, I don't know, Houston? <laughs> yeah, it's like, right? It's just, like, like the most random is, like, nobody... Like nobody gives a shit about Corpus Christi, except people that love Selena. <laughs> Maybe they were fans. They're like, oh my god, we're visiting <laughs> Selena. <laughs> Wait, what, what year was this? This was 1974, so... Ah, well, what year was Selena born? Maybe... But let's see her while she's a child. I don't know when she was born. I don't know. We probably have the date. (laughs) I don't feel like looking it up. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) But just as they were, like, worried about a missile, the unknown aircraft moved 155 miles southeast of the town. So it wasn't near Corpus Christi anymore. And then um, other bases, Lackland Air Force Base, which is near San Antonio, Texas, as well as Houston, a base in Houston, Texas, and then the FAA radar facility in Oilton, Texas. Um, They all began monitoring this thing that they didn't know what it was. And they no one understood how an object came this close because it was within 200 miles of Corpus Christi and nobody detected it. Nobody saw it on any radar until it suddenly just appeared. Ew. Which is suspicious. It's like uh, what is that like teleportation? Right, that's what it seems like. Like, um, what's that thing in Star Wars when they enter like a this place to go faster than they appear out of like warp drive? Area? Is it? Yeah, warp? it's like they warp drive, warp warped. What warp hyperdrive? Hyperdrive warp drive. <laughs> they hyperdrove. <laughs> what is the terminology? I don't know. You guys correct us. Hyperdrive is a. Now I gotta Google. I'm pretty sure it's hyperdrive. Warp drive bends or manipulates space to get from one place to another. Hyperdrive usually steps completely out of our space and into a dimension area that allows rapid transit from one place to another. So they either warp drive or hyperdrive. They did one of those. those. Yeah. (laughs) And then at 10.10 p.m., the unknown object entered Mexican airspace through Brownsville, Texas. And from 75,000 feet, it descended to 45,000 feet. And this was over the Mexican desert. And it slowed down to 2,000 miles per hour as it continued to descend. It was reported to look like a blazing fireball from people in Tamaulipas, Nuevo León, Coahuila, and Chihuahua. Oh, they got a, a pretty good, like, area. Like, pretty, yeah, lots of places. Mm-hmm. It traveled across the state of Caguila and went over the zone of silence, which we've talked about before on our other Aliens episode. But for those of you that don't remember, it's in the desert of Durango, and then it kind of goes into Caguila. It's 200 miles south of Presidio, Texas, and it's known as Mexico's Bermuda Triangle. Lots of weird things going on there. (laughs) 
Anyway, and then it suddenly disappeared from all radars that were watching it closely on the U.S. side of the border. And then at the same time as it disappeared, a small civilian, pl- civilian, <laughs> <laughs> small civilian plane also disappeared from radar screens. But this was on the Mexican side. The U.S. didn't pick up this small plane. So this small civilian plane also disappeared and it was presumed that it had gotten into some sort of accident. And this was near Coyame. Word of the downed airplane reached Mexican military officials in Chihuahua and Ojinaga and they began plans to recover this plane. Then they realized that the civilian plane disappeared from radar as another object had appeared and disappeared. So they concluded that the two objects or planes, whatever, collided at around 3,000 feet to 7,000 feet in the air, with the airplane going 150 miles per hour and the unknown aircraft going at least 1,500 miles per hour. The crash was believed to have occurred in the desert area of El Llano, which is 50 miles away from the town of Coyame, Chihuahua. Because the crash happened so late at night, deep in the desert, there were no attempts by either country to locate the crash site until the next morning. On August 26, 1974, the Mexican military began their rescue attempt around 8 a.m., while the U.S. military intelligence forces were just listening from Fort Bliss, uh, which is in El Paso, um, and they were being nosy. No, Chismosos. Right. They were listening on the radio what was happening. So around 10.30, the U.S. listeners heard through radio traffic that a Mexican pilot spotted the crash site and said that the civilian plane was almost totally destroyed. And a few moments later, another message came in through the uh, radio that they found another downed aircraft a few miles from the civilian plane. And the Mexican pilot that saw it said, it was a gleaming disc in one piece with barely any damage. After that pilot statement, the Mexican military went on radio silence and the U.S. wasn't able to continue their surveillance, <laughs> a.k.a. being chismosos. <laughs> so the U.S. wasn't able to continue surveilling what was happening. But around or later in the day, they um, they were doing like flight surveillance. So pictures of the scene. They noticed that the military, the Mexican, the Mexican convoy seemed like they were frozen in place. So the Mexican military was working on strapping down the object. They had no extra protection, but they managed to mount the disc on the back of a vehicle. And then they began moving at some point. And this is when the the U.S. through their monitoring noticed that the Mexican convoy had stopped moving Completely. And so this is when they decided to send a retrieval team to the site themselves. Were they allowed? So apparently the United States has worked with the Mexican government in the past to retrieve things like this together. So it was weird that the Mexican government went silent on them. Um, So normally, it was probably some type of miscommunication. Normally... U.S. officials learn about this, talk to higher up. So it's possible that like they just didn't this team didn't get the message. The Mexican military team that went to this crash site like didn't get the memo. Mm. But higher ups did because normally they instead that in the past they worked together. So and this obviously they didn't hear. Oh, okay, okay, That makes sense. Yeah. And the U.S. being nosy was like, wait, wait, you're not doing this without me. You thought. You thought. (laughs) 
<laughs> so the retrieval team from the United States arrived around 4.53, and they were shocked to see that the Mexican convoy was frozen in place. There was zero movements, and some vehicles still had their doors half open, as if they were in the middle of closing them. The Suspish. <laughs> they also found the bodies of two Mexican soldiers sprawled on the floor or ground, but not in their vehicles. The rest of the members of the Mexican military were dead, slumped over inside their vehicles, aside from those two. What the hell? Yeah. And they could not determine the cause of death immediately. Is it like radiation or? Possibly. Years later, two witnesses from supposed from this team, the U.S. team, said that the unidentified object was like a disc, 16 feet and 5 inches in diameter, and equally convex, which I had to look up because I was like, what the hell is that? I've never seen this word. <laughs> <laughs> but it means uh, having an outline or surface curved like the exterior of a circle or sphere. Mm -hmm. um, so the and it was like this on the upper and lower surfaces. There is an outer rim like a Saturn or a double dome. The height of the unidentified object was just under five feet and it weighed at least 1,500 pounds. On the outer rim of the disc, there was damage in two places. One was a hole about 12 inches in diameter, but there was nothing visible inside. Like, you couldn't see anything inside the hole at all. And then there was a small two-feet dent, um, probably from the crash. And this is another quote from, an oh my god, an anonymous source. <laughs> That's hard to say. That is an anonymous. Yeah. So this is another one from a possible witness from the u.s team upon arrival to the crash location the american group came across a strange metallic object in the shape of a disc with the frontal impact and with the burned remains of a small plane a short distance away there was an olive green jeep containing the bodies of four mexican soldiers captain rogelio arguelles gonzalez sergeant teofilo margarito puebla corporal jose trinidad meraz and corporal ricardo velasquez their bodies appeared with signs of death by asphyxiation and were still in possession of their firearms with no attempt to use them. That is weird. That is like, did they ever like come up with the theory of what killed these uh, soldiers? Yeah, so some believe that the U.S. military killed them. However, that is unlikely because like I said before, it's been reported that the two countries usually work together to retrieve a UFO and the U United States brings it to the United States. Mm -hmm. It's believed that an unknown chemical agent was released from the UFO when they were trying to mount it and it like killed everyone on site. That would make yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go a little more into that in a bit. Because that reminds me kind of like Agent Orange. That I'm going to stop now. <laughs> Okay, so at 5.14 p.m., part of the retrieval team, the United States retrieval team, because the Mexican one is all dead. Let's remember that. <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I laughed. <laughs> anyway, they departed with the UFO in tow on a helicopter. And then at 5.40, the rest of the team prepared to leave, um, which they did at 5.46. As they left, they had a timed detonation explode. Uh, to get rid of the rest of the evidence in the crash site. And uh, the authors of this book went back to that crash site. And it's like this hole um, with like radiation inside of it. 
Oh. Mm-hmm. And it's like black inside. Um, and they found like remnants and stuff. The U.S. team stopped in the Davis Mountains of Texas and they set up camp. And then at 2 a.m., they continued their mission to arrive to Fort Bliss and decontaminate. When it was safe to do so, they continued to, and this is speculated, not confirmed, they continued to Atlanta, Georgia, uh, to the CDC. After the UFO arrived at the CDC and was declared safe from contaminants, the trail of the UFO went cold. Some believe it went to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and others believe they went to an unnamed base in Atlanta. Atlanta. But nobody knows what happened to it. That is on brand, but... I, I like that they took it to the CDC because after you said, like, the chemical thing, I was like, how are they going to, like, clean this or disinfect? I don't know. Disinfect right? It? Is that the right word? Yeah. And no one knows what caused the death of the Mexican soldiers. But like I said earlier, it's speculated that an unknown biological agent, biological or chemical agent caused it. Some experts worry about the possibility of a space-borne virus arriving on Earth and causing a global pandemic, and some theorize, and again, it's a theory, I'm not saying that I'm I'm behind it, you know, (laughs) but some say that past pandemics were caused by something from outer space, like SARS, like the last SARS. Oh, yeah, I've I've heard this theory, too. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if the same theory is being said about, like, COVID, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah, it was. There's, like, this doctor (laughs) who was going Oh, it was, okay. You're not wrong. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a document called the Majestic 12 mm-hmm. that states technicians from the Sandia National Labor- Lab- Laboratory? Laboratory? How do you Labor- say? I, laboratory? Laboratory? I think it's Laboratory. Like- laboratory sounds better. Yeah. I think only Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory says laboratory. It's a laboratory. <laughs> no, DD. <laughs> 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 This this report states that those technicians died of seizures and profuse bleeding after being exposed to a U- to UFO crash debris and fluids from the occupants of this UFO. And the author goes on of this document goes on to say that current medical equipment isn't enough to deal with an outbreak of an alien virus. Mm-hmm. Weird. <laughs> yeah. That's unsettling. <laughs> right? Years, years, years later, after after the crash happened and all this, a witness named Tony Ramirez, he's a retired police officer, came forward with the story of a possible alien sighting in Koyame, and he wonders if what he saw was a survivor of the crash. So he was 13 at the time, and he was in a hayfield when he heard a noise coming from the cornfields across from him like 30 feet away. Uh, Suddenly, a strange little being appeared from the field. It was small, uh, like four feet tall. And he described it as very thin with long arms and legs, a huge head and glowing red eyes. Hmm. And after Ramirez had heard of the alien incident in Varjinga, Varjinga, how do you say that? I have no (laughs) idea. If you don't know how to say it, oh, Virginia, I think. It's V-A-R-G-I-N-A. That's the one that we went over last time. Yes, you shared this on our last alien episode. But there's a big alien incident there, which we've already talked about. Varginia? 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 Varginia, Brazil. 
Um, so after he heard of this story and the description given there, which was a five feet tall bipedal thing with a large head, thin body, brown skin, and red eyes. So he heard that and he realized this was exactly what he saw in the Koyame fields as a teen. And he had told his grandma what he saw and she was like super casual about it. Like it, not even surprised. She was like, oh, esos son los diablitos. What the hell? <laughs> Those are the little devils and we frequently <laughs> see them in the area. That's, see, this is like, this reminds you of some shit my grandma would say. She'd be like, oh, yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We get those. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on um, on the Texas side of the border in Candelaria, Texas, one family, the Chambers, they described, um, they, they saw the crash and they describe it as a big explosion in the sky. Uh, the little kid in the family said it was like a fireball in the sky. Locals from Koyame, um, they remember being warned by the military to stay away from the site where the pit remains. That's not ominous. Right? Koyame has seen many strange things, not just this crash. In 1968, a huge flying disc with bright and blinding lights hovered over the small town. Locals were frightened and threw rocks at it and the object just disappeared after that. A different circular disc was seen over the town's church in the early 70s. And it was ringing, or not ringing, it was it was full of lights, like a bunch of different type of lights. And it brightened up the... Huh? Flashing? Maybe that's what I was trying to write. It just had a lot of lights, like a lot of different kinds of lights, colors, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it lit up the whole town. Like, locals believed the world was ending when they saw it, as what I. <laughs> Me too. It's ending with Christmas lights. Right. (laughs) It's probably like Um, very scary. (laughs) But aside from witnesses in this book, there's not a lot of witnesses of this crash, which leads people to. And then there's like a thing called the Deneb Report, which is anonymous. So these this book and the Deneb Report. And the witnesses in each of those documents are the only things that exist saying this crash happened, which is why there's a lot of people that believe it's not true. (laughs) I mean, they have every right to be like iffy about it. But at the same time, it is happening and it seems to be happening in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, this area is right by the zone of silence, which has seen a lot of things, too. And Texas. Texas Texas has everything. going on over there. Like, Texas, blink. The Marfa lights are not far from here, either. Oh, my. Like, everything. Everything. Like, Texas, Mexico, breathe if you're okay. (laughs) Right. Breathe if you need help. (laughs) Side note, not uh, related to this crash, but... One Mexican president, uh, Miguel Aleman, in 1982, claimed that President Eisenhower once told him he was taken to a military base and shown a a crashed UFO with its dead occupants inside. What the hell? I've heard of that. I've heard of that, too. Like, uh, that Eisenhower saw some shit. And also, didn't Jimmy Carter um, see a UFO, I think? Possibly. Uh, That I don't know about. I haven't read about that. Another side note, at some point in 1966, before becoming president, when he was still a congressman, President Ford said, I believe Congress should thoroughly investigate the crash of reported 
or sorry, the rash of reported sightings of unidentified flying objects because the American people are intensely interested in UFO stories and some are alarmed by them. So, I mean, he's not wrong, right? Yeah, look at Jimmy Carter saw a UFO on this day in 1973 on what day? September 18th. Where? Let me see. It says Jimmy Carter saw a UFO on this day in 1973 is the headline. And then this morning, it's like a whole article. But yeah, uh, Jimmy Carter also did see a UFO. Interesting. A lot of uh, politicians see UFOs. Yeah. Suspicious. Also, after the reports, the recent reports came out, the NASA director literally said, he believes there's more out there. Like, well, a lot of astronauts too have come forward and said that they believe. Yeah. So. so yeah, that is the Goyame crash. That was interesting. I didn't know. Yeah, very weird about the poor Mexican military unit. I know, poor, poor guys. Yeah, they should have waited and been like, "Hey, Americans, you guys go first. <laughs> <laughs> right and and they didn't have like the military team had like full um i forget the name of it i used to have to wear them and they're so hot but it's like this the hazmat suit yeah it's like a hazmat suit but it had a different name seaburn seaburn's outfit but it was like this whole thing you put something underneath and you put these thick ass pants on and this thick ass thing and then boots and gloves and a gas mask and then you put the hood on and you tighten it <laughs> so it was like the, the whole like legit protection that's probably like why the the americans didn't like nothing happened they're like you never know let's just be yeah extra and then careful. it's um speculated that whatever was in the ufo all was whatever was released from it was all released on the mexican military and by the time they arrived they were there was nothing else it was there. like gone which is also weird that it just like d- disappeared i guess the substance or whatever it was like disappeared just like we did our it did its job and then it just like vanished yeah but yeah if you want to share your your story okay so i found two because the first one i found was interesting because it happened this year oh yeah and i was too excited but it was (laughs) but it was like it's like a super short story so i i did another one with chile which is weird oddly enough also coincides the 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 story you just told (gasps) whoa okay and you'll see okay so i was looking for ufo sightings in south america and there are many but not many with like a background where it's like it has a story either before or after um many of them are just like hey we saw a ufo here and that's it um, so i had a dig <laughs> the first one i will be covering is from bolivia this story is from april of this year 2021 in the neighborhood of Monteagudo, in the city of santa cruz de la sierra residents long ass names <laughs> latinos in their names man the schools the people the city everything everything (laughs) so residents in this neighborhood witnessed a ufo sighting according to ufologist javier aliaga as the object entered the sky there was a crash like thunder furthermore the characteristics of this object is as if it were throwing fire holy shit what yeah so it was like i don't know like shooting fireballs or something or like there's maybe like fireballs coming off of this object i don't know that's wild that's some shit to see it like randomly at night. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I witnessed say a halo of light landed in the neighborhood and a while later a small creature 
that residents claim looked like El Chupacabras was seen. This creature oh terror this creature terrorized and seemed to be targeting children and tweens, teens. Not the children. <laughs> Not the children. This halo then disappeared into a sky hours later and it left crop circles. Okay, did it did it leave the chupacabra creature too? Or? It doesn't say. Like it just says like the creature then like after terrorizing like the neighborhood disappeared. Like did it go back to the to I the hope so. Area? If not, those people better watch out. <laughs> the, right. mo- <laughs> the most affected by this incident had to receive therapy. A psychologist who weighed in on the incident claims that is it is a case of mass hallucination. Um, however, ufologist Javier Aliaga wants there to be a scientific study on what happened. There was a a YouTube video, not a YouTube, but like a news um, clip on YouTube that I found. And they drew, um, they show artist rendition, quote unquote artist rendition of this creature. And it did not look like, uh, like the chupacabra that we know from Puerto Rico or the States or Mexico. To me, it looked like a gray alien. You know, it was described as having an oval-shaped head, big eyes, and it had three digits on the hand, so it, like, had three fingers. Interesting. But I I don't know. Hmm. And that is the story of this little neighborhood in Bolivia having a UFO sighting. And it happened this year. Wow. That was interesting. Yeah, I feel sorry. Like, if this is legit. For the people who are, because there are some people who had to get um, a therapy for what they saw because they were so terrified. I mean, I would be too. <laughs> Same. And the next one comes from Chile. And Chile is like a hot spot for UFOs. The Chilean, oh, I got it right that time. Nice. Woo. Come a long way, you guys. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> the chilean navy has released footage of unidentified objects one of its most known videos was taken back in november 11 2014 during a routine patrol mission a navy captain captured footage of an object flying off the coast of chile west of santiago and you can you guys can google this to watch the footage i'll try to post it yeah but chile is very like it's like when you look up Chile and their like travel blogs and stuff, one of their like things is uh UFO hotspot. It's like to bring in like tourists and stuff. Oh, I did not know that about Chile. Okay. I was like, okay, Chile. <laughs> uh, didn't we go over like Chilean um mythology a few episodes ago? The, yeah, RC one. You yeah, 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 yeah. So Chile not only has some crazy mythology or legends, whatever you want to call it. Um, but they get, like, UFO stuff, too. And I was like, okay. Um, so, anyways, let's get into this second story. Um, one night in June 1984 in Canal Moraleda. Moraleda. There we go. A group of six people who were part of the Chilean Navy witnessed a gigantic ball of red light flying above the water. It was only a few meters in, di- in distance away from them. Scared, they radioed for help. I'm guessing that maybe they thought it was an airplane that was in trouble. They're not really oh, clear. Yeah. The radio, the radio for help was picked up by the Ortiz family. 
Octavio and his wife Christina and their three daughters. For whatever reason, the sailors were unable to get radio signals to the mainland, so Octavio acted as a bridge between the two. Hector, the Navy officer, was communicating with Octavio, made a comment that this light, whatever it was, was interfering with their electronics. At this point, a third channel chimed in. The captain of, of a petroleum ship named M- Mysteries, which spelled in like Spanish. Oh, okay. Who He, the, the captain of the petroleum ship, told help Hector to call it into the authorities because he was navigating and all his is- instruments were going haywire. Whoa. Hector, at this time, says over the radio that the light is getting bigger. It's flying higher and coming towards us. Oh, the my tr- God. I'd be, like, flip, Like, I'd be, like, yo. Right? <laughs> Turn the ship around. We gotta go. <laughs> um, the transmission was cut off, at, like, right as he was saying, this thing is flying towards us. Wow. Octavio could only hear loud radio noise, not static, but you know that high pitch whistling sound. Yeah, from like from old radios that you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Then everything goes silent. Octavio is trying to get into contact with he- Hector, and nothing for three minutes. Hector radios Octavio back, stating that the lights flew over them and burned the skin of the crewmen that were outside. What? So they got like radiation burns. Wow, which is like. That's why I was like, is it the thing that killed the Mexican? Um, Could be. Yeah. Radiate, I don't know. But they didn't say anything about like the bodies having radiation burns. So who knows? Yeah. All they said was it looked like they were asfi- they were died by asphyxiation. Oh, my God. You, you asphyxiation. Know yeah, yeah. <laughs> I probably said it wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> so for several days after this incident. Uh, incident, radio interference could be heard by several ships. Alberto, the captain of the ship named Mytilus Mytilus 2 or 2, got in contact with Octavio. Alberto said he had listened to the entire conversation that he and Hector had days prior. Alberto was doing experiments on a type of muscle called chorro zapato. Alberto worked for the oceanographic did I say that right? Oceanographic Department of the University of Chile. Um, He told Octavio that all their equipment in the area had vanished. So all the equipment that they had in like the ocean and stuff just like disappeared. That is weird. Mm -hmm. Octavio then lost contact with Alberto for several months. And one day Alberto got back into contact with the Ortiz family. Octavio, though, noticed he sounded like a con- completely different person. Uh, Alberto said he met some strange people, that they have helped him economically. He transports boxes filled with materials he doesn't recognize for them. What? <laughs> he brings these boxes up to the island that they reside in. Friendship Island. Isla, oh. Isla Friendship. In May of okay. 1985, Octavio got in contact with one of the Friendship Island inhabitants, Ariel, or um, in the in Spanish, Ariel. At this time, Octavio was bedridden for months so that his one way of socializing and communicating was through the ship's radio. During the, that time, Ariel and him would talk about various topics, death, friendship, biology, mathematics, religion, art, and all that. There are more than 1,500 minutes of recorded conversations between Octavio and Ariel and other inhabitants of Friendship Island. 
They told Octavio to visit the island as they had modern technology that would cure him of his illness. And the Ortiz family tried three times visiting the island, but each time they turned back at the last minute, they were pretty much afraid of the unknown, of who these people are and all this stuff. August 1985, a UFO was seen over Santiago for almost the entire afternoon. That was the most shocking part is that Ariel got in contact with the Ortiz family right as this right as this was happening. He told Octavio to go outside and see what was in the sky. Ariel was narrating all the UFO movements before they were made. Octavio and his family were left in awe. Ariel and his quote unquote crew made several predictions. I'm not gonna get into them because they're kind of like batshit crazy and there's no like <laughs> Oh my god. Proof besides speculation from people that they made these, so Okay. But anyways, but according to legend or you know, whatever happened after this, the government got involved in the communication stop between Octavio huh. and Ariel. Many people have seen and encountered, you know, the inhabitants of Friendship Island. They are described as tall, white, blue eyed, blonde haired people. Very similar to those beings that are seen in La Zona del Silencio. And this story of Friendship Island and the UFO sightings is very similar in the, in the story you just told that um, a lot of people don't think it's real. A lot of people think it's just like, mm, like yeah. it didn't happen. And there's some people who think that it was a psychological experiment that was conducted by the U.S. military with the help of uh, the Chilean government. So. This yeah, but Friendship Island has like this huge mystery behind it, and I've heard about it before. And um, that ship we went over at Caleuche, a lot of people also think that it's not a ghost ship; that it's actually a UFO that's constantly seen off the coast of Chile. Interesting, so weird. Or it's not a UFO; it's a U U.S. Uh, unidentified submerged object because oh, it also goes underwater. Right. Because mm-hmm. that yeah, those are things so. too. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. <laughs> so not only do we gotta watch out for the skies, but the oceans too, because they appear mm-hmm. a lot like around lakes and stuff. And right, like that story you shared in our last UFO episode. Yeah, a lake. It is seen over a lake, and mm-hmm. and they're often seen off the coast of San Diego. Like that's that mm-hmm. was one of the videos that was released by. Uh, the government was, Maybe? yeah, that oh, was, yeah. whoever, I don't know who's in charge anymore, <laughs> uh, <laughs> was that um, uh, something that was captured off the coast of San Diego. Interesting, but also... Um, San Diego's off the list. <laughs> <laughs> I have no desire to go there anyway. What, what, is, it, what is that island called? Cat- Catalina Island? Right? It's off the coast of California. Like, apparently, like, there's a lot of shit that happens. Like, you see UFOs in the sky, and then they go underwater. And, really? uh, yeah, and then, like, people think that there's caves underwater where these UFO thingies just go into. Oh. It's okay. a whole thing. <laughs> thing. Okay. Clearly, we're going to have to have another UFO episode at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll do that next time Um, the government releases more. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then um, there's that that little town in Mexico too, the one that doesn't get affected by uh, hurricanes. Oh yeah, that's right. 
So Forgot we'll about have to that. do that too. Yeah. There's a pair obviously there's a lot out there. <laughs> there's a lot. They like to visit the Americas a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is a, a good place to stop because I have to pee. All right. <laughs> this is fun. Fun and terrifying. And I'm no longer looking up at the sky anymore. Um, but yeah, yeah, like MJ said, um, we're no longer looking at the skies. So stay a spooky. <laughs> Try not to get abducted. Yes. Just yeah. Do your best. <laughs> do your best not to get abducted. Stay a spooky. Send us your stories. And uh, we'll catch everyone next week. Bye. Bye.